Tonight is very special to me. You know, you've been praying for my dad through, through all this time. And I want to read you a scripture. It says, Revelation 12, 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Listen, we're going to have an old-fashioned throwback testimony song service tonight. How about that? Praise God. Yes. Yes. I want to tell you really quick four things that testimonies do. Number one, it encourages praise. It encourages hope. Number two, it encourages you to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's right. And number four, it gives us supernatural courage. That's what we need, supernatural courage. We have a lot of natural things coming at us. So tonight I asked my dad if he could come and testify about what God has been doing in his journey. You know, this is, this is very special. When, when I'd first gotten saved and, and, you know, a couple of years later and I, uh, I would get, I was going to the Baptist church and I was on the, the list where you go and preach for people that when their pastors are out. And, and so me and my dad would go and we, we lead the service. He would sing and, and I would preach. And, uh, it was just, it, it's so, that's why I said it's very special to me to have this happening tonight. Uh, we were gonna record this because he did this at, at First Baptist Church in New Iberia. And man, it was just so powerful. And we just wanted to capture that. So I was gonna get maybe Doug to, to maybe DV, put it on DVD on a Sunday afternoon. And Pastor Todd was so gracious. He said, man, that's, that's too much fire to just keep on a Sunday night when nobody's here. He said, why don't you have that happen on a Wednesday night? So thank you, Pastor Todd, for this privilege. Give him, give him a, a hand, a hand of praise. Thank you. Now, he's going to sing some older songs, but listen, these songs were born in pain. These songs, and some of the songs are really foundational songs of the church. You know, some of you may not know some of the older songs, but boy, I tell you what, your eyes will wet with tears when you see these words, these anointed words that are, that are spoken. So without further ado, I'd like to invite my dad to come up and sing. Can you give him a round of applause? Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? I'd like to first do a, a song to uh, to honor God, the power of God, called How Great Thou Art. Take 
in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art then saints my soul my Savior God to thee great? I mean, that honors God. I mean, whoever wrote that song, they knew they were going through a fire. Uh, I just want to start off by telling every one of y'all in this church, thank you for the prayers. Y'all started eight years ago. Eight years ago, y'all started praying for me. I felt every prayer. I knew when y'all were praying. It's like I had these goosebumps all over me all day long. And I thank you all for that. Pastor Todd came. I was going to New Orleans to do my, to one of my surgeries when they cut half of my liver out. He came over to my house one evening, slain me in the spirit. Man, that was like awesome. Yeah, I didn't know what they were talking about until then. And man, I tell you what, I remember that to this day. Thank you, Pastor Todd. One thing I don't know about and I can never explain, and you know, God does things in, in a lot of ways that we don't, we can't even imagine. But a lot of people ask me, especially when I, I first got saved, and I, but the only answer I could come up with, they ask me is, how does a black cow eat green grass? And give white milk. And the only thing I could tell him, God. The power of God, guys. For sure. That's the only answer I have for him. Anyway, uh, and one thing I do know, there's three things about a believer and about a Christian. You either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or going into a trial. No ifs and buts about it, guys. If you think about it, you all good right now. You're going to be going into a trial. Now, it could be a small, it could be a big. To believe it doesn't make any difference if you have Jesus. Just want to let you know I know that. Uh, first of all, I was raised, or first of all, I hope you all realize that I'm following Nathan. <laughs> I mean... My God, 
So y'all excuse me because I'm following this guy here, man. I tell you what, he's awesome. Just want to let you know that, Nathan. Uh, first of all, I was raised a Catholic. I was 12 years old when I met my first friend, real true friend. God put us together. And it's my wife, Carol. God had put us together when we were 12 years old. We were just learning how to read, really read and write. But he put us together for a reason. We dated, got married at 20 years old, 19 years old, or 20. And God was still with us. We had three miscarriages. We lost three. Doctor told Carol and I, I don't think I would try again if I was y'all guys. Because if y'all did, and you would have a child, it would only be 3% that he would be normal. 3%. But he did not know our God. No way he knew our God. And we knew God. We wasn't no believers as we are now. We knew God. We loved God. But we didn't know Jesus. So 3%. God gave me my other friend. Best friend I could ever ask for. He gave me another miracle. A guy right there. And as you all, as y'all would do, I would give my life for him. I would do anything for him. So anyway, as he was growing up, I think he was about 14 or 15. The Lord has spoke to me prior to that. And uh, we had to find us a church. We had to find us a, a church that would lead us to, to, to God and to Jesus. So we did. We started, I started looking. I went first and started looking because they didn't want to have anything to do with that at that time. So we were Catholics. And if you know anything about Catholics, they Catholics. And I was, I was, I was that way. And, and, uh, mom and my daddy raised me that way. So I started searching. Anyway, I had a, uh, I have a brother-in-law that went to, uh, First Baptist in Yardbury. And they had, uh, in the summertime, they had what they call a, uh, like a baseball league for, uh, the Christian churches. So I, he said, won't you come and play ball with us? And I said, cause I was always afraid. I was always afraid of a Baptist. I was always afraid to go to a church, a Baptist church. I mean, I was, I mean, we were, and we were. Don't ask me why, but we were. So I said, well, yeah, we'll go play ball. And Kelly, Kelly was real good at, at, at softball. So we did, and it was competition. I think we had eight churches. So we played for First Baptist. And that was, I think it started in April. And in June or July, I think it was July, they were giving out trophies. I think we came out third that year. And they were giving out trophies. And uh, we went, prior to that, we went, we went in the choir and all that, just to try to get to know people. They had asked us to come in the choir. And uh, so we did. July, and Carol said, my memory is gone because of chemo. I blame it on the chemo. She blamed it on my age. But I have no memory. But July the 18th, 1991, at 11.55 a.m., 
I was in the choir. Carol was in the choir. I don't know if Kelly was in the choir. I think he was sitting now. Invitation was given. All three of us at that moment stood up, walked the aisle, gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. 1991. So as time went on, uh, Kelly finished school, graduated. She said, Dad, I want to go to college. Okay, good. He says, uh, I'm going to go to UL. I said, fine. But I want to live over there, so I don't have to go back and forth. And a red flag came in my head. I said, okay. So I told Kyle, I said, let him go. Let him do. He did. He came, I think, for two years. In that time, I told him, you're going to come to church every Sunday morning. Yeah, 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 Dad. I will. I will. Okay. Well, and it lasted for a little while, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of petered off a little bit. One particular Sunday, he called me up like he used at 4 o'clock in the morning. Dad, I'm home. I don't know where my car is at, but I'm home. Because he never did he never did drive. So all this time, for two years that he was going to UL, Carol and I prayed, cried. Three o'clock hour was our favorite time in the morning. Prayed, prayed to the Lord would just grab him. Because we knew that the Lord had something for Kelly when he was small. Wasn't sure what it was, but we knew it. Anyway, he called me. I said, okay, you coming to church. Starts at Sunday school starts at 9.30. Service at 11 o'clock. Okay, Dad. 9 o'clock, he comes in my, in my house. and I knew it. I said, oh, my goodness. I said, you coming to church, bud. Regardless how you feel. Yeah, I, I know, I know. I said, okay. So we went to church. Sat in the pew between me and Carol. And I'd have to kind of elbow him a little bit and say, Kelly, come on, man. So we had a preacher that came. He was doing a revival. He came over from Forest Hill. Started talking about his grandfather. How he tried for years and years to uh, to get his grandfather to accept the Lord. But his grandfather wouldn't. He was in a hospital bed, dying. And he kept hollering and screaming. That his back was burning. His feet was on fire. Brother Gary could literally smell the flesh. Literally smell the smoke. Well, when he started that, Kelly just cried. I mean, you could hardly hear the preacher. He was crying so hard. And I told the Lord, thank you, Lord. I knew he grabbed a hold of him. I knew it. He couldn't wait to get to the front. He could not wait to get to the front. Well, he rededicated his life. He came back to life. He was living in Lafayette with a friend of his. He called me up one day. He said, Dad, I'm coming home. Kind of reminded me of the prodigal son in a little way. You know, it's, it's like he was coming home. And I knew in his voice that the Lord had him. He said, Dad, the Lord told me I have to get rid of everything. I have to get rid of my friends. I have to get rid of my music. I have to get rid of Lafayette and come home. He came home. His journey started with Jesus. I think he was 21 years old at the time. He started going on mission trips. 
anywhere and everywhere as he could go, he went. He was a youth leader at our church for a while. He was a youth leader at Trinity for a while. And he was just preaching all over the place. Where, wherever he could, he would preach. So God, that's my miracle. Another one of my miracles right here. Now tell, tell them, tell some of the parents here, what, what's the key in praying for your, your, your child to come home? Because I'm, I'm telling you, that's so big today. People are losing their faith. They, they don't want to serve God. What can you do? What can you tell parents that are beating the door of heaven for their kids? Well, the only thing I could tell you all is that what we did, we stayed in constant prayer with Jesus and just begged him every night to grab a hold of him. Because we knew Satan was in his life. We knew he was he was uh, just doing things he shouldn't be doing. We knew it. So we stayed in constant prayer. It took two years, a little over two years. But guys, your child is the most important thing to you. Two years is nothing to sit, to sit and pray to God. He tells you to pray constantly. Don't ever give up on your child. Ever. Because the Lord will show up and He's right on time. Every time. Uh, I think it was in 2005, Kelly and I started our business. <clears throat> and we started in January. We, was, we had started a... a a tomb cleaning, you know, in the graveyard and clean the tomb. And every time we would be there, we would tell each other, we in the best spot ever, Dad. So what you talking about? He said, when Jesus comes again, they're going to crack open. And we're right there. And I said, you know, you're right, man. And we're right there. And we was going to be the first witnesses that they were going to rise up. And every time we went, we looked. We actually waited. We drank our coffee and said, okay, Lord, we're here. We're ready and waiting for you. Because the Lord tells you to be watch, to be watching. So uh, we started our loan service with that. So after a while, the loan service had gotten kind of bigger than, than uh, what we were doing. Uh, and we had gotten a contract from, for Iberia Parish Schools. We, we, we would cut 12 schools. Every 10 days, we had to turn them around. It was pretty tough. Plus, we had our regular home homes that we cut. I think we had like 20-something, so we'd have to put that in into that schedule. Well, I think it was May. I started bleeding. And uh said, well, you need to go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm going to go. Hard-headed men. I'm just going to go. She made, I think, a couple appointments. I didn't keep them. It's too busy. I blamed it on my work. So finally it was, I was bleeding a lot. So I went. And he told me, he said, well, Larry, I said, it's just, you have hemorrhoids. You strain a lot? I said, yeah, always have. So that's all it is. Okay, so August or September, I was bleeding more. What he gave me didn't work. So I went back to the doctor. Well, you might want to go do a scope. Oh, really? He said, yeah, you might want to go do a scope. 
You're 50 years old. You need to do it anyway. Okay. I went, made an appointment. <clears throat> Came out of it. I was in a bed, sitting down on a bed. Kelly was on my right. Carol was on my left. The doctor walks in. He said, how you doing, Mr. Segura? I'm doing okay. A little droggy, but I'm all right. He said, you have cancer. I didn't hear anything else. My eyes caught Kelly falling. He was talking. The doctor was talking to me. And all I saw was his mouth moving. And, and all I could think of is, man, what Carol and Kelly's going to do? Because I've always heard when you have cancer, that's it. You, you're checking out. Wasn't educated in it. Didn't know anything that much about it. I knew people that had it and then lost the battle. But I didn't really know it. So, man, I was wondering, what, 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 what can I do before something happens to, for them? I, I need to take care of Kelly and Carol. Went home. Cried like a baby. Then it dawned on me. I didn't go to Jesus. Didn't think about Jesus. I was so ashamed. Because my fate was like, come on, Satan, come at me. But I did not go to Jesus. Did not go to my friend. So I cried like a baby. I asked for forgiveness. And he did. He did forgive me. Then I started my journey. Started doing chemo. And I was afraid of chemo. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And the Lord told me, don't be afraid, Larry. I am with you. Hebrews talks about I will never leave nor forsake you. And I stood on that promise. I'm still standing on that promise. When everything looks bad, guys, go to Jesus. We have to look to Him. Doctors are used to help people like us. Like God. God uses doctors. I don't look to the doctor. And I told, I told my doctor many times, He's using you as a vessel for me. I said, whatever you have, you got from him. Believe it or not. Oh, yeah, they always say that. I said, exactly. So anyway, I did the chemo. I did 12 of them. Everything looked like it went pretty good. Four years, four and a half years, I think, went by. Didn't have anything. They claim five years, you are pretty much healed. Four and a half years, they found it on my liver. I had a knot on my liver. But anyway, the colon uh, tumor was, it was covering three quarters of my, of my colon. It was like, yay big. And it was nothing but a piece of meat, the doctor said. So anyway, I did my, 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 my chemo. Went through, uh, through all of it. I think it was 12 of them at the time. Then they found it four years later. It was on my liver. It was a, a mass on my liver. Went to New Orleans. We prayed about it because they had given us three doctors. One in Lafayette. I thought two in Lafayette and one in New Orleans at Austin. Karen and I prayed about it and Kelly prayed about it. 
letters to a Dr. Bolton in New Orleans. Went over there and talked to him. Carol asked him, are you a praying man? And this guy, awesome guy, looked just like Jed Clampett. I'm serious. He wouldn't look at Carol in the eyes. He'd always look down. That's how humble he was. But he wasn't a praying man. Carol said, well, we're going to choose you to do Larry's surgery. But we're going to pray. He said, oh, okay. We stood up right there in his office, grabbed hands, and all four of us prayed. And he said, that felt good. Power of God. Guys, let me tell you. From that point on, he went ahead and took half of my liver out. Went on, I think, about a year, maybe not, not even a year. Had some more. Went back to him. And he, I can't tell you the name. Carol can tell you. But it's a big old long name. What they do, they, they, uh, they burn, they cook the tumor coming inside out. I think I had three of them. It worked for a little while. And then it just started coming back. Started coming back. Somebody said, well, I'll leave there. And you're a Christian guy. Why, why do you keep getting that? So you ever read the story of Job? No, I said, you need to read the story of Job. How the devil went to God and says, as long as Job, as long as you with Job and you're giving Job everything, everything's good on the mountain. But let him get in that valley. And I guarantee you he won't serve me. And that's what I told him. I said, whether I'm here or there, I'm serving God. He is my anchor. He is my rock. When my dad was taking chemo, the doctor said, first treatment, you're going to lose all your hair. Oh, yeah. First, he said, I guarantee you. He was like, Guaranteed that, that's how it is. You're going to lose all your hair. Well, my dad's taking 73, well, 72 treatments. And he has hair. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's a miracle. You know, they want people to ask me, well, I used to get out of the chair and I'd ask Carol, where's Kelly cutting grass at? I think at Magnolia or whatever, whatever school it was. So I'm, I'm going. He said, well, no, you can't, you can't go. I said, yeah, I'm going. Got on the moor and I cut every time I did chemo, every day I cut grass. Eight, 12 hours a day. Doctor had told me when I first started that, don't let that cancer Determine your destiny, Larry. Don't let cancer tell you what you can do and what you can't do. He said, always try to keep yourself busy. Motivate yourself. Because cancer feeds off of woe is me. I believe that. Jesus led me to work every day. Twelve hours a day we cut. Remember, we had t 12 schools that we cut. And we had to turn them around every five days. Rain or shine. They wanted their, sorry, they wanted their schools cut. Rain or shine. So we had to cut. So don't let cancer or any type of infirmities get you down. You have what a lot of people don't have. 
His name is Jesus, guys. You have that. I'm, I'm nothing special. I have, I'm not, I have nothing special other than Jesus. And everybody telling me, man, how can you continue doing it? Power of God. Power of God. And when I'm down, because if anybody has ever done chemo, it's poisoning your body. And the chemicals that they use just depresses you, keeps you down. But it cannot depress Jesus at all, guys. Cannot, cannot even touch it. And that's what I stand on. Yeah. Can you put on the anchor hold? This song meant so much to me before I even got operated on. And they were telling me when I was in recovery, a lady came woke me up after I was awoke. She said, Mr. Larry, you were singing a song called it something about an anchor. Word for word, you are out. I said, yeah, because my anchor is Jesus.
see the anchor hold spite of the storm and I have been young but I am older now and there has been But it was in the night Through the storm of my life Oh, that's where God proved His love for me And the anchor holds Amen. Y'all catch the words to that? It's like, it just grabs you. If you're, if your anchor is Jesus, you could claim that, guys. You go to Him and claim it. Dad, tell us during that time of your operation how how God showed up in meeting, you know, while you had a job and, you know, because financially we still had to keep going. Yeah. Why don't you tell them about how God did that? Yeah, well, we didn't, we didn't understand how we was going to continue cutting the grass. I mean, we're talking about every 10 days, every time we cut just a school, it was like 380 acres that we had to cut. So we had to get ourselves to three schools a day. And turning them, turn them around because you had your rain and everything else. Well, I was laid up. And I said, Lord, how's Kelly going to cut all that? Carol has a full-time job. First week, she was going to take vacation and help. One week. We had three more weeks to go in that month. But not knowing what God was doing. Some of the men at our church grabbed their moors, and met Kelly at those schools. It's like, it was like five and six moors cutting 
they cut all three of them in like five, six hours. He made a way where it could ease my mind, not be so hard on Kelly and Carol. I mean, I cried like a baby, guys, to know that God, and when it made the world, was my friend. Think about that. He wants to be your friend. He created everything. To have a friend like that, man, that's awesome. And I lay there, recovering from my operation. And hard-headed, I was supposed to wait six weeks. I didn't. I think I waited four. Started going out there because I, I felt bad. And I told God, I said, God, I'm going to do my part. You did yours, I'm going to do mine. And Carol says, you're going to wind up back in the hospital, dummy. What do you mean you're going to go back to work now? So I have to. So we did. We started that and continued that until my next operation. Had to do the same thing over again. Had to go to New Orleans. and Had to have another operation. And everything was the same. But what I'm saying is that God gets the glory for everything. I don't care how small it is or how big it is. And sometimes I lay, I lay in bed at night, three o'clock hour. Kelly said, well, that, that's when Jesus was praying. And I wonder, Lord, it's been all these years. I still have it. Still serving you. Not going to stop. What else you have for me? And he always tells me, same thing he told Paul, Larry, my grace is sufficient for you. And whenever you hear that, it's like, man, you can't go back to sleep. There's no way you can go back to sleep. Home clock goes off at five, Carol gets up, and I'm there praying for her because let me tell you something. That's a strong woman, guys. I know now. I know now why God put, put us together at 12 years old. He knew how much I would need my friend Carol. He knew how, how much I needed my wife. We were married 41 years in March. And I would never, ever change any day for that. And uh, he was about to sing in the presence of Jehovah. I want to tell you a funny story real quick. Uh, All the glory. Okay. And uh, he, he sang it at his church. And somebody got up out of the back and went outside. So my dad met up with him. And he was like, man, you know, is everything okay? She was like, oh, I don't know about all that Jehovah's Witness stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't understand what he was talking about. It was like, oh, I don't like it. Jehovah. I said, it's nothing about Jehovah Witness. That's his name. That's one of his names. Oh, I don't know about that. I said, I said well, look, if you read your Bible and when you find that, come back and talk to me. It's been over two years. He hasn't been back yet. So that tells me. That tells me. She ain't reading the Bible. In the presence of Jehovah. 
Listen to this song, guys. In and out of situations That tug of war at me All day long I struggle For the answers that I need And then I come into his presence And all my questions become clear And for that sacred moment No doubts can interfere In the presence Through his love, the Lord provided a place for us to rest, a place to find the answers in the hour of distress. Now there's never any reason to give up in despair. Just slip away and breathe his name. He will surely meet you there.
Amen, huh? Amen. Amen. When you get in his presence, guys, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. See, when you put Jesus first into everything, no matter how small, how big, he is with you. If you look to him and you give him all the glory, either on the mountain top or in the valley, he's still going to be with you. You know, Kakim and Kelly was preaching a sermon. And he was talking about a vessel. My vessel is cancer. Because I'm able to talk to a lot of people while they're doing their treatments, while I'm doing my treatment. They're on number three. I'm on number 70. And I'm able to tell them what I've done. And I also tell them about Jesus. It opens that door. It opens that door for me to tell them my story about Jesus. And believe it or not, I'm that vessel. Yeah, God uses this sickness because, you know, God would show up. We'd be in a gas station and, and people would come up and, they'd, oh, Mr. Larry, can, can you pray for, you know, and it was just amazing to just watch my dad just pray for people. And that's why we all I always say in your sickness, God wants to use that. There's there's an anointing when you can minister in the midst of your frustration, sickness, the worst of the worst days. When you step out in faith, God will honor that. Faith. Right. Right. So you know, that, tell him, you know, you keep going through this continual diagnosis. You know, next Wednesday he goes to get scanned. And uh, and his levels have, are the highest that they've been. So he's going to be at MD Anderson. So, you know, how could you not get discouraged yeah. during that time? You know, the, the doctor, Dr. Rinaldi, he's been doing it for like, for, I don't know, 30-something years. And he, he always told me, man, after I've given 35, they either made it or they didn't. So I, I cannot believe and we're doing number 72 on you today. I said, hey, I told you. Told you. It's not me. It's not about you, God. It's about Jesus. He is the one that keeps me up. You know, it's like the two guys walking on the road uh, to Emmaus. They were talking about what just happened in Jerusalem. They were scared. And they were talking about it. Someone else was there. They didn't even recognize 
where you was. And even in your storm, if unless you look spiritually, you won't recognize how God is working. You won't recognize how Jesus is right there working with you. So always have that spiritual eye, even though it's bad, even though it looks bad. Keep your spiritual eyes open because he will show up. And boy, he will smile if you would recognize him. Well, let me close. Let me close with this right here. I just completed 72 treatments two weeks ago. Week or last week. I still give God the glory. No matter what. And I've always asked the doctor, I've asked him, you know, what is it doing in my heart? What is it doing to everything else? And he boldly tells me, I don't know, Larry. I'm not a heart doctor. I can't tell you what it's doing. I said, well, yeah. I said, I guess you wouldn't know. I said, but my Jesus knows. And I've always told him, I said, if I'm here, I'm good. And as long as I'm here, I'm good. Because I'm doing, I'm the vessel and I'm doing what he wants me me to do. But if he takes me at any given time, I win either way, guys. Amen. I'm with him. Praise God. Either way, I win. (laughs) So, when that devil comes at you, throw Jesus on him. I guarantee he'll flee. So, if you've been counting, how many miracles you think I've had? Because everybody tells me, oh, we believe in that miracle. Eh? I said, hey, I've had a bunch of miracles. <laughs> when I'm going, 72 of them was just treatment. Everything else in between, I've counted 83 miracles, guys. The power of God. So the only thing I could tell you is that when you walk in your walk, in your trial, Jesus is with you. You'll never walk alone. You can stand if you want for this one. Hold your head up high And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of the storm There's a golden sky And the sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord. Walk on through the rain. Walk on through the rain. Though your dreams be Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart, cause you never 
for him as he leaves to go next week to to get his treatment. I, you know, I know that we're a faith-filled, Bible-believing church, and I know that every single one of you believe that God can heal the sick. Oh, praise God. So I want to pray for him, and I want you to extend your hand, and we're going to pray for this trial to be over, that cancer's power would be broken. So, Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. God, and I thank you for the power of God, Lord, that is available to your children. So, Father, we extend our faith, simply asking, God, that you would remove cancer out of his body, God. Father, that you would perform a miracle in our midst, God. Father, as my dad has been faithful, God, to tell your truth, God, to tell your word, to give you praise and honor. Father, we ask for this storm to be over, God. Father, that he would walk across on dry land. We curse cancer in the name of Jesus. I curse tumors, God. Father, I curse any ailment in his blood system. I curse the spirit of infirmity. And I I demand it. We demand it in the name of Jesus for his power to be broken. Father, your word says, by your stripes, we are healed. Father, I ask that you would perform this word in his physical body. God, we thank you for his willingness, for his faithfulness, and that you are using him as a chosen vessel, God, in the midst of this fire, in the midst of this suffering, to declare your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen and amen. Praise God.